are getting ready to head into our lesson. We've been talking about humility and how humility is a realistic view of our own importance, A, in the sight of God, and B, in comparison to God. When we look at ourselves in the sight of God, then we say that we are who he says we are. We agree with God that we are who he says we are, that we have what he says he, we have, and we can do what he says we can do. That is humility in the sight of God. So who are we to say, no, Lord, I can't do it. Oh, Lord, you chose the wrong person. Oh, you know. And then when we have um, humility, we're talking about in comparison to God, we realize that he is the one who made us. He is the creator. We are the creation. We come, we're, we're lower than him. And really just a little lower. The scripture says he created us just a little lower than the angels. And that word angels really means Elohim, which is God. So, um, but because we are the creation, we're not higher than our creator. So in no way are we unworthy. We're just lowly where it comes to him. And when we walk in humility, um, when we're walking in lowliness, that's walking in, in total dependence on God. Hallelujah. He's the one who made us. He's the one who equipped us. He's the one who gave us everything that we need. Um, if we were uh, an object, if we were a product sold on a shelf, it would not say parts sold separately. Because when he created us, when he knit us together in our mother's womb, he put into us everything that we would need to walk out our assignment. Hallelujah. So all of our parts are included. Parts are not sold separately. Um, so we are, um, that's so awesome. He's our creator. He created us that way. So when we live, we live totally dependent on him, knowing that he's the one who made us. He's the one who equipped us. Now, show us how to work it. Show us when to work it. Show us everything. So that is a privilege, a privilege of, of being his child. Um, let me see. From there, we're gonna we um, some good points have come out, and I think um, yeah, some good points have come out, and I want to say that Deborah brought up both of these. But one, when we were talking about humility, it came out that not once dealing with that definition that we just talked about, not once does it talk about how we relate to each other. It all talks about how we relate to God. And so we learn that if we relate to God properly, we will relate to others properly because that humility will bring out the fruit of the spirit that is in us. The fruit of the spirit is there because the spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, right? And so building character, and then it comes out as the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long suffering, the meekness, the temperance, all of this that I am experiencing an increase in my life. I'm seeing it manifest more fully. I'm seeing it manifest more frequently. I'm seeing it manifest on a deeper level than it did. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for this journey that he is taking us on with humility because it's just been a very sweet journey. Not, um, it's been an easy journey in that when you yield to him, it's easy, but it hasn't been an easy journey in that there are some ouch places 
that needed to be dealt with. There were some things that needed to be uncovered that I hadn't seen or realized about myself. And oh, but it brought me to that sweet place of repentance because of his correction. And I'm so grateful. And now it's, it's opening up just opportunities. I'm seeing a difference in the way that I relate. I, I am. I'm seeing a difference in the way that I relate to people. I'm seeing a difference in my relationships. I'm seeing a difference. Guess what? Humility, uh, my awareness of humility and my growth in walking in humility has done a work in me where things that used to offend me don't offend me anymore. It's like, wow. It's just like, wow, wow. And um, now I'm, I, I think since Deborah said it the other week that um, Jesus demonstrated his, his humility through his meekness and meekness is power under control or power, or, yeah, strength under control, power under control. He had power to do a lot, but he kept it under control. He was um, walking in humility before God by letting God take care of him, by letting God um, validate him, by letting God, while, all the while walking in his true identity of who he was. So I know I just kind of put all that out there. It's not in my notes or anything. I don't know how organized it was, but this is just the, the, the impact that the study of humility has had on me. And it has made such a difference in my life, such a difference just in, um, my awareness, even increasing, <laughs> increasing my awareness of how much I need God's grace. Uh, um, there have been times when I've, I think I told you all this before, I felt like I was a leaf on a limb and I was just shaking the wind, was just having its way with me and I was bare, I was naked, I was exposed and, and there was nothing I could do about the situation. And in that moment, I was like, Lord, let your grace cover me. And it did. It just covered me. And where I felt exposed, I didn't feel exposed anymore. Where I felt um, even wrong, I didn't feel wrong anymore because his grace helped me in that moment. I'm just telling you, there's so much. Uh, there, I'm just, he's just showing me so much more about humility than I ever knew there was, and I'm experiencing it in different ways, and I am so, so grateful, so grateful. I feel like um, I've, I've, I've reached another, another level, another level of awareness, another level of manifestation, another, uh, uh, another level of, of gratitude, um, another level of desire for humility, desire to walk in humility. It's just a wonderful place. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I just thank God for it. I bless his name. <laughs> I thank God for it. And so. Amen. And here's the thing, you know, when we think about humility, it's not, at least in my world, people I've known, it's not something we go running towards, you know, it's not something we want to ask for, not something we want to go through to learn. And I think this is our ninth week talking about humility. And it was only last week that we started talking about pride in comparison to humility. 
usually when we talk about humility, when I've heard people talk about humility and teach about humility, it's always juxtaposed with pride, you know, because I don't know if we're focusing on that pride part, but we're trying to get rid of that pride part and be more humble. But I just, I'm just so loving the Lord for the way he has presented this to us because he started right off the bat teaching us about who we are to him and how we are to see ourselves the way he sees us and, and just having us to focus on him and, and, and unwrapping the, the treasure, this treasure of humility, the empowerment that it is, the gift that it is, just the... And we had other words to describe it. I don't have them with me right now, but just all that humility is, and it's such a surprise. I'm so grateful. It's just such a surprise. So um, before we get into the lesson, I want to ask, do any of you have any reflections or anything that you'd like to share about how this lesson has impacted you? Well, this is Deborah. I am, I am extremely grateful for this teaching on humility. As you said, it is increasing, for me at least, it's increasing my awareness of my utter reliance upon God. And it's helping me to shift my focus and keep it on Him. And when I'm focused on Him like Peter was on that water, whatever He's saying, it's, it's implanting in me the ability to carry it out, whatever he's saying that I am, and I'm focusing on his ability to work in my behalf, to cause me to experience that, is bringing more immediate results in, in what he's saying to me that I can have. Like, like for instance, for years, I was, Lord, I want to hear better. I want to hear your voice better. And But my focus was on my hearing, not on his ability to enable me to hear. And this teaching on humility, I'm hearing it. It's wonderful how when the Holy Spirit starts speaking a word that is hitting the note, it'll, you'll hear it everywhere you go now. Everywhere I go now, I'm hearing humility. <laughs> when I was listening to a, a teaching by uh, Brother Bill Johnson the other day, I heard it. And it's almost like that word itself, the word humility that's being taught is imparting humility to be lived and bringing the focus to submit to God who's doing the teaching through his servant to receive what he's trying to give. If that's too much around and around, but it was like a circle to me. So I just wanted to say that, that, I'm thanking God that this teaching in humility is increasing my uh, awareness of reliance on God and shifting my focus and keeping it on God as the enabler and, and me as just the receiver of what he's giving. Amen. 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 Thank each of you for sharing. Hallelujah. All right, so tonight's lesson I am excited about. Um, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. This is about the parable of the talents. 
We'll be reading it out of the King James Version. Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30 in the King James Version. I have it. Okay. Matthew 25, starting with verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of both servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. And his Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he also, that had received two talents, came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents, and behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things, and I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which hath received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not straw. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slowful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and I gather where I have not strolled. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of peace. My, my, my. Woo, mm -hmm. I like that. <laughs> <Praise> <laughs> Amen. Thank, you. Thank you for your supply. <laughs> so we are going to look at this, uh, this scripture through the lens of humility. So again, humility says, I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have, and I can do what God says I can do. Okay. 
So we're going to go back up to the beginning and we're going to just walk through this. We'll start with verse 15 because this is the master who has given the talents to his servants, right? So verse 15 says, and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. So this is saying the man knew the potential of each of his servants. That's how he decided how many to give to each one. He was speaking to the potential in them. So as we go through this, I want you all to think about yourself. Put yourself in this situation. What has God trusted you with? Not necessarily because you feel like you can do it, but because he saw the potential in you. Let me give you this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to tell it because Holy Spirit's bringing it to my remembrance. In 2011, I was living in North Carolina and I felt this pain, physical pain in my heart or, you know, my chest, you know. And I said, Lord, I can feel it. It hurts. And it's like, he asked me, well, what is it? I said, Lord, I can feel all of the untapped potential within me. I said, Lord, I want you to get every ounce of purpose out of me that you knit into me. And it's like the Lord said, we doggy, all right then, okay. Because within months, I'm telling you, within what I did after that, after I prayed that, I said, Lord, I'm not going nowhere. I'm not doing nothing. I'm going on a shut-in until I hear from you what you want me to do. And so um, I didn't, I, I didn't go to church. I, he had already pulled me out of the workforce. I didn't, and, and um, after my food ran out, I just fasted. I didn't go anywhere. And I said, Lord, while I'm here, I'm going to stir up every gift that I have. So um, I had gifts I didn't know I had. I began to write songs. I began to draw. I, of course, I wrote and I would do my sign language and every gift that I knew I had, I was stirring them all up because I said, Lord, I'm going to hear from you because I want you to get every ounce of purpose out of me that you poured into me. And the result of that, it took 10 days. I didn't know how long it would be. because so I said, I'm not going anywhere until I hear from you. The result was I was sleeping on my living room floor. I, my grandma said, why are you always in the floor? Get up at the floor. <laughs> I'm taking a nap on my living room floor and my phone was on the floor next to me. And you know, when we're not using our phone, the screen, I don't know if you can see it, but the screen is always black, right? When we're not using our phones. Well, when I woke up, there was a picture on my screen. I hadn't touched my phone. And the picture was of um, North America connecting to South America. And I knew that the Lord had been preparing me for hot weather. I, I, for like a year or two, he'd been preparing me for really hot weather. So I'm thinking, oh, the Lord's getting ready to send me to South America. And I was like, okay. And I began to start praying over it and everything. And in my spirit, I heard St. Croix. I was like, what? And I heard St. Croix. I didn't even know how to spell St. Croix. So I went on the internet, I'm looking for it. And sure enough, when I saw that picture of North America connecting to South America, what I didn't see were those little dots in there. <laughs> those little dots there were the islands, the islands that I was going to, I was going to St. Croix. And he told me what he wanted me to do there. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And so um, began moving towards getting some things in place for that. And then, um, 
I, I was on the internet. This is the day I did not like computers. I didn't like technology. I didn't like the internet, didn't like anything. All I did was get up there and check my email. But this time I got up there and I saw this screen and it said, do you want to change your profession? And they were offering the profession of speech pathology. Well, that was my profession. So I was like, let me see what they're offering people because this is my profession. I know about, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I went in there and sure enough, there was something in there that caught my interest. And I clicked on it and they said, do you want us to send you information? And I was like, ah, okay. So I'm putting my name in there, my contact information, everything. And then right when I go to push send, it cuts off. It does. And I was like, see, that's why I don't like technology. I just spent all my time putting this in here. All right. Well, the next day I start getting phone calls from this number I don't recognize. I don't answer it. But they keep calling back. So I finally answer it. And they're like, hello, Miss Free. And I was like, yes. They're like, are you interested in da 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 da? I was like, yes. And did you, did it? I was like, and how do you know this? They're like, because you sent us the form. And I was like, it went through? It, it cut off on my end. It went, so it went through. And they said, do you want us to send you information? And I said, yes. They said, because we found three universities that offer what you're looking for. And so now I've changed since then. But back then I said yes to be nice. And in my mind, I was like, when they call, I'm just not going to answer because I just don't want to <laughs> just yes to be nice, but I'm not going to. Well, the first one called like as soon as I got off the phone with them, I was already on a roll. So I answered it anyway. And it was a cordial conversation. Thank you for calling. Yes, go ahead. Send me your information. Okay, bye. That was the end of that. And then the second one, it was, oh, I didn't know you offered this. Oh, and the program, it's very reasonable. Okay, yes. Well, I'm not in the financial position to go right now, but I would really appreciate your information and we'll keep in touch. And we actually did. And so by the time the third call came, it was no problem. I was answering the phone. And this guy, he did not, all he says, hey, Catherine. I was like, yes. And he was like, my name is Cameron. And we just start talking. And he was like, so I, I don't know what he did. He asked me a question, but the Lord had just told me I'm going to St. Croix. So I was like, oh, I'm going to St. Croix. <laughs> and he said, really? Why? I was like, because God told me. He's like, what do you mean God told you? And so we start talking about this. And he was like, I didn't know faith like this still existed in the earth. And he was oh. like, let me tell you, I'm calling from Grand Canyon University. Did you know that we're a Christian university? Yada, yada, yada. So it went on. We talked on the phone every day for every weekday for two and a half weeks. And he said something like this, type out your testimony and send it to me. Okay, no problem. And so then he calls me back. He was like, you have been officially accepted to Grand Canyon University in our doctoral program. I was like, what? I was like, did I even apply? You know, I, it was so, and I'm sure there's something that happened in there where I did and it had to choose the school and this kind of thing, you know, and it could have been conversation. Well, which one of these do you think is interesting? Well, I recommend this one for you, that kind of thing. But the point is I ended up, signing up to go to school at Grand Canyon University. All of this from my prayer, Lord, I want you to get every ounce of out of me <laughs> that you poured into me because I can feel the untapped. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you from 2011, right up until this very moment, 2021, almost 10 years later to the date, he is getting this potential out of me. I'm doing things I never thought I'd do Stuff I, I just feel stretched to limit. And just when I feel like I'm about to snap, oh, he gives me grace to go a little bit further. All because, well, I'm saying he gave me the prayer, but Lord, I feel the untapped potential.
I want you to get every ounce of potential out of me that you have put into me. Mm -hmm. And I have gained mm -hmm. so much in these 10 years on that journey. So back to our parable here, the master gave each servant the talents that he knew they could handle because he saw the potential in them. My question to you tonight is, what potential does God see in you? What talents has he given you? And talents can be whatever you want them to be. Here it represents money. What, it, what talent, it could be responsibilities. It could be actual talents. It could be, you know, whatever it is. What talents has God given you? What potential is he tapping into through the assignment that he has given you? Okay. Ooh, that's just verse 15. All right. So now, we, as we go through the parable, we see that two of the servants, um, they walked out their potential. They doubled what their master had given them. Right? So let's look at verses 16 and 17. It says, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received the two also gained other two. If they're walking in humility, what do you think their statement would have been? I am what my master says I am, I have what my master says I have, or I can do what my master mm -hmm. says I can do. What did they demonstrate yes. by doubling their talents? Right? They didn't say, but, yeah. go ahead, Deborah. I, I was just about to say they, they demonstrated that they believed that they uh, had the ability to uh, steward what was given to them and bring an increase. Um, the fact that they were being entrusted with this ability in itself said them, to them, you have the ability to do with this and greater for me. So they, they, they honored their um, Lord by proving themselves to be what he had already said that they were. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm. You know, Deborah, how you said that word humility is jumping out at you everywhere you go now. You're hearing it, hearing it. Um, I'm hearing honor. I'm hearing honor everywhere. So I really like they honored their Lord by being mm -hmm. what he said they could be. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, so honor, honor, is an, honor is an ingredient of humility. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Praise the Lord. I would say, you know how when we were studying the fear of the Lord, it's that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we said that the fear of the Lord was the primary ingredient in wisdom. If you're looking at a food container and it lists the ingredients, it lists the most prominent ingredient first and then goes down the list. So I would say that honor would be a primary, the primary ingredient in humility. Yes. Yes. Awesome. All right. So um, we see in verse 18 now, we're looking at the third servant. It says, but he that, re that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. He did not do what his master, what his Lord entrusted him to do. 
And if we jump down to verse 25, we hear his reason. He's talking to the master who says, <laughs> um, well, he's just talking to the master when he came back and he says, and I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. He was afraid. I have, I have something I want to say about that, but I want to ask, does that hit anybody? Um, especially, especially when we look at pride. When we look at pride, we talked about pride um, last week. Maybe it was the week before, but anyway, we talked about pride and we talked about how pride isn't only, you know, thinking more of ourselves than we are looking, you know, like we're above everybody else. Well, it is that, but it, it manifests in two ways. One, we think that we can do it without God. So we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. Or number two, we think that even though God told us we can do it, we can't do it. So we're thinking more highly of, our, of ourselves than we ought to because we think our opinion of ourselves matters more than God's opinion about us. So when we're talking about pride in that aspect, and then we look at this third servant in verse 25, he says, and I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast all that is thine, or hast what is thine. Um, what, what, what do we say about that? Does anybody have any comments? He was, he had a different, how you say, a different view of the king, or, um, the leader, when he, uh, instead of his, you know how he got the reverential fear, that's what we have of God, he had a fear, like something's going to happen if I don't do the right thing, so he buried his talent instead of utilizing, so his fear was more of being scared instead of, and, and not even taking a chance, don't, taking a risk. So his fear, his, um, he was more of a afraid, really afraid, like the word says, he was afraid. He didn't have an honor. He didn't have an honor, as y'all was saying, an honor for, uh, with what, because I'm sure the leader had set an example, because that's why the others had, had led to, um, be better stewards and want to increase. Whereas his view was the opposite. It was not willing to take a risk. He was just so wanted to just make sure he kept it in one place that the leader didn't, that uh, would not, and he won't get punished. But that was my view of that's what, uh, from that verse. Yeah, kind of hit the nail right on the head. I like the way you pulled out that fear, that being afraid, not wanting to get punished, wanting to do everything exactly right. Isn't, and you uh, differentiated that from the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord versus fear of the Lord. <laughs> and that, that, that second one, that fear comes when we don't have relationship with him, when we don't know his heart towards us, when we think that he's just right. waiting strike us down for doing, for not doing the right thing or for, you know, not doing it good enough. Um, isn't that characteristic of people who, who struggle with their salvation, who struggle with unworthiness and condemnation because they're walking around in fear 
rather than the fear of the Lord. Fear is a manifestation of pride where they think they have to get it right on their own. Amen. Praise God. I agree with Tamara that um, his view of his Lord was the source of his fear. The only amplification I can give to that is this last servant's view of his Lord, not only was his Lord harsh and overbearing and ungraceful, no grace, he gave no grace, but he was also undeserving because he was going to be reaping on things he did not sow. And this last servant has the same attitude that the the, the uh, second son had in that prodigal son account where the prodigal, that second son said to the father, I've worked for you all these years and you didn't even give me a goat or anything to make merry. He had an idea that he had no access. He had no uh, grace. He had no sharing in uh, what was being offered to him. And so he, he not only was he afraid of what he might uh, experience as a consequence of not doing everything right, but he also had a prideful view that was almost, he had a disgruntedness inside of him toward his master in that he knew, he said, I know you're going to reap where you haven't sown. So here, take back what you gave me. So that made him not only lazy, but that made him wicked. Mm-hmm. The, the master called him on it, then why didn't you do that? <laughs> why didn't you do that? <laughs> my money? Um, <laughs> but yes, um, I want to come back to, we're talking about the fear thing. I want to come back in the message translation. It says, I was afraid I might disappoint you. I was afraid I might disappoint you. Have we ever had feelings that we might not do it right? We might be a disappointment. Mm. Has that ever held us back from doing anything that God has given us to do? We can. But as a child, I I mean, this isn't the only time, but one of the big times that rolls out, I remember I was in the choir. I loved to be in the choir, the youth choir. And we were singing the song, I can do all things. Oh my gosh, this is even worse. Mm -hmm. The song was, I can do all things through Christ and strengthen me. And um, the, the choir director had given me the solo. And okay, I was good with singing the solo as long as the choir was behind me. Mm-hmm. But then the, the choir director came to me. She says, I want you to sing the song as a solo. The choir is going to mess you up. The choir is going to pull you down. I want you to sing the song by yourself. And I was like, I don't want to sing the song. <laughs> that was the end <laughs> You know, um, I I would I felt like I would be a disappointment to the congregation, a disappointment to my choir director, a disappointment to myself, a disappointment to God. It, it, I was afraid that I might disappoint you, so I didn't do it. Yeah. Just one example. So, um, you know, just just reflect: Are there things in your life that God has presented you with the opportunity to do, and even maybe the assignment to do? And you didn't step out in it. And I thank God for his grace because some of those things is still not too late to do. It's still not too late to do. There, I, I, I am through this walk of humility. I mean, God is just showing me things, showing me, showing me. And he's showing me places where I missed it. But here, Catherine, here's another opportunity. 
And it might not be that same exact situation, but it's the same exact lesson. It's the same exact thing that he wanted to pull out in me in that situation that he says, it's not too late. I can pull it out of you in this situation. Mm -hmm. So I thank God for his grace. And doesn't he give grace to the humble? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's another lesson of humility. I'm getting a lot of, I will call them second chances. Or, or other chances because he's shown me where, yep, and it's been a cycle. These things I'm noticing, they've been a cycle in my life. It, it, like I said, it might be the same thing that he's trying to pull out of me, offered in different situations, and in each one I turned it down, but he says, it's not too late. It's not too late. Here, here's another opportunity. So I thank God for that. Oh, let me speak this out because I hear the Holy Spirit saying it. He spoke to me one day. He told me, and I have received it. I've read hope. And he's showing me how this humility is connecting into that. He said, when you go to heaven, he said, you're not going to get up there and find a room full of stuff that you could have had here on the earth. He said, your room is going to be empty because you received it all here on the earth. As mm-hmm. you have. And when you enter into heaven, it's just going to be a smooth transition and it's going to be continued forward motion because you will have gleaned and gotten everything here in this earthly realm that you were supposed to have gleaned and gotten. And it's just going to be a transition and and continued forward motion when you go into heaven. And so as I'm just talking to you all about how God is showing me the situations and here, Catherine, here's another opportunity. This is part of that gleaning what I should have, have gleaned. And so I just to encourage you all. The Lord takes you down memory lane that way and he shows you opportunity. I Let's just thank God for the gift of humility and for what he is showing us through this lesson. The thing, the grace, the grace, the grace that he is giving to us because he gives more grace to the humble. And it says he's able to make all grace abound towards us. And I just believe that by us more about humility that we're stepping more into that all grace because we're learning more about the grace that is available to us. Yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want to speak that to you all. I want to speak that. Let me hold that. Lord, yes, I thank you. I thank you that there are no lost opportunities. There are no wasted opportunities. I speak that every person under the sound of my voice will receive all that you have for them in the name of Jesus as they grow in the revelation of humility and as they align themselves with your will and walk in this gift of humility that you have given us. Glory to God. That every opportunity that they have missed along the way that they will, they will recognize it when you present it to them again. And as they walk in this new level, this deeper level of humility, that they will take the opportunity and allow you to get out of them what you have poured into them in the name of Jesus. And it will be that way for the entire time that they are here on the earth. And it will manifest that when they leave this earth, they will not have left anything on the table there will be nothing up in, in their room in heaven. It will be empty because they will have received all that you have for them. And it will be just a, a smooth transition 
and continued forward movement as they enter into the heavenly realm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we love you. Yes, we do. All right. So check this out. When I looked up pride in the, oh, okay, Tamara, I don't even, okay. Um, when I looked up pride in the um, dictionary, dictionary.com, it, it gave us the definition, the high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, value, superiority, all of that. But check out the synonyms, self-love, self-regard, self-satisfaction, self-sufficiency, self-worth. It all sounds like self-preservation to me. It's all about self and not about God, not about honoring God, not about honoring others through our honoring God. So this, this wicked servant, this lazy and slothful servant was preserving himself and not honoring his Lord. All right. This is getting ready to be my favorite part. Are you ready? We're going to look at verses 21. I want to say 21 and 23. Okay, so in verse 21. This is the, the uh, master talking to the first servant. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he spoke the same thing to the second servant. Let's talk about this. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. I looked that word joy up in the Greek. It is kara, and it means Grace recognized. Enter into, come into the awareness of God's grace, favor, and joy. That's what that phrase means. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. It says, come into the awareness of God's grace, favor, and joy. Enter into the joy of thy Lord, the recognized grace. Would that be what the first son or the, the younger son, the prodigal son, did in that story? He entered into the awareness of his father's grace. When his father said, give him a robe, give him a ring, put shoes on his feet. He entered into an awareness, he entered into the joy of his Lord. And I love it, it's the joy, the, the recognize, the grace, it's God's joy, it's God's delight to give us grace. He takes pleasure in our prosperity. And he says to the two that did what he, that pleased him, that did, oh my God, that, oh, Sheba Kata, that did what he empowered them to do, that did what he, he, he pulled that potential out of them. They entered into his joy. They entered into his delight. They entered into an awareness of the grace that was available to them to do what had been given them to do. You know, this kind of sounds like part of David's story. Um, you know, David had plenty of mistakes or 
things that caused him some trouble, but he still entered into the heart of God. And, and God said that about him. And he, he didn't seem to be trying to be perfect. He was just, you know, aware of God, aware of his relationship with God and to God. And yes, he, he got off track sometimes, but it just seems like he saw his relationship with God in a way that pleased God because God considered him a man after his own heart. Yeah. And that's how I see these guys who received the extra talents, they, they were kind of like a man after their master's heart. Exactly. Whereas the third guy wasn't. Right, right. Or he understood the heart of the master to be different than what the others did. Right. Oh, Shalom, you hit the nail on the, it said that. Amen. Right after their master's part. Well, in another translation, I'm jumping ahead now, but we're going to get to the part where he calls them good and faithful, good and faithful servant. Um, no, actually, it's right here. Sorry. So when he says, come into, um, enter into the joy of thy Lord, in the message translation, it says, come and be my partner. Like when you think of a father and son business, doesn't it make the father proud the day that the son becomes the partner? Isn't the son, isn't the father um, um, working all these years to groom the son for the business? And the day that the son becomes a partner is a proud day. I, I know it's ironic I'm using the word proud. It's a happy day. Um, the day that the son becomes a partner, that he becomes, you know, one with the father. And we're talking about the son who wants to be, you know, in the business, the son that wants to be the partner. But that's another translation here. Um, for enter into the joy of thy Lord, it's come, come and be my partner. Because you have the heart of the master, the heart of the Lord, the heart of the boss, the heart of the guy. So you're one with me now. You're one with me now. Praise God, Shalom. That was awesome. Amen. Can I piggyback on that a little bit? Yes, please. I'm saying as Shalom was speaking, I was saying that these first two servants used their ability as a tool to delight themselves in their Lord, as opposed to using it as a tool to promote themselves. They were actually using it as a means of enjoying their loving relationship and delighting themselves in it. And it gained them that position of trust so that they could partner with him in a deeper sense. Amen. 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 Yes, delighting in Yeah, him. they had no idea that he was going to give them more. No, he didn't. They didn't. So they were just doing it to do it for their master, to give him back greater than they had received. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that all? It had more to do with the motives of their heart. They're entering into their Lord's joy. They're, they're lit, the depth, depth of their partnership to me, what I'm hearing, 
that's true humility. Is 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 a depth of honor and love for who's over you that you want to please them. You 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 are passionate. There's a passion to please them, and and while that's a real power and humility to 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 motivate a person to want to do what delights the Lord. Hallelujah. And so do you see, look at where we're going, where we're going with this. The next series we're going to go to after humility is obedience. What you just said, Deborah, that the power of humility to motivate someone to want to do, to, I forgot exactly how you said it, but to please the heart of the Lord. That's, that, that's where that obedience is a demonstration of our love for him. Yes. See, it's the, the humility. And, and we're looking at the train now. So um, the fear of the Lord equips us to walk in humility. And humility brings about obedience. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes. And it's a delight. It's a delight to obey. It's not a task. It's not a chore. It's not, it, it's not something I have to do um, or else, like probably what the third servant would think if he was thinking along these lines. But it's something I get to do and I get to, I'm delighting in him. So I enjoy doing what he wants me to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Woo. So, okay, let's look at um, the, the third servant again. And this time it's going to be in verse 20. Um, okay, we'll start at verse 28, but it's 28 and 29, 28 through 30. Yeah, 28 through 30. And it says, take therefore the talent from him, talking about the third one, third servant, and give it unto him which hath 10 talents. For unto everyone that hath shall be given, and he, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth outer darkness we're comparing this to entering the joy of the lord to being cast into outer darkness and so in our context you know light be right light 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 and in revelation spiritual understanding um and even now the grace that god provides just light when we are cast into outer darkness it's that darkness that's outside the limits of the lighted pa uh, palace. You can't even come in the limits of the lighted place. You're cast into the outer darkness. You no longer have access to the revelation, to the understanding, to the grace. And it's not God's doing 
It's the prideful person's doing because they have chosen not to receive what God has for them. Um, when I, it was chilling when I read that outer darkness outside the limits of the lighted palace. And then the Lord showed me Hebrews 4.16. We know it, we know it well, but let's turn to it and put our eyes on it. Keep your tab or bookmark in Matthew, but turn to Hebrews 4.16. And when somebody has it, you can read it. King James, please. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Amen. So in Matthew, talking about the servant, he's cast into outer darkness, outside the limits of the lighted palace, outside the revelation, the spiritual understanding, the grace that God provides, and even knowledge of the grace that God provides. But here, it says, let us come there, come boldly unto the throne of grace. We have access. We've got, we can come boldly. We don't even need to be timid about it, shy about it. We can come. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Find grace to help us do whatever needs to be done. To find grace to help us do whatever God has called us to do. Hallelujah. I needed grace learning how to be an online college student, going for a doctorate while traveling. Oh my goodness. I needed grace. I need to find, <laughs> I need to find grace to help in time of need. And we find it at the throne of grace. We get his mercy there. I like it in the Amplified Classic. It says that we may find grace to help in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. Hallelujah. He gives grace to the humble. When we receive his assignment, when we delight in pleasing him and do it because he said so, He's not going to tell us to do anything we can't do. And even when we feel like we can't do it, we can look to him because he's the one who provides the help for us to get it done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. And so now let's look at one more comparison between these two sets of servants. While the master called the first two good and faithful servants, he called the third one unprofitable. I'm going to read that in verse um, 30 again. It says, And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Oh my goodness. In... Um, Actually, let me start with the good and faithful. So he called the other two, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well, that word good 
it describes what originates from God and is empowered through him in life, in their life through faith. So when he says good, when he said good servant, he's describing what originates from God and is empowered by him in their life. Their life. Jesus said that only God was good. God is good. So um, you can say that he's okay. So check this out. Just got this when you said that only God is good. But in Matthew was to say, um, let thy light so shine that men may see your good works, right? But only God is good. So when good comes out of us, we know that it's not it's our God. goodness, but it's God's goodness, right? And mm -hmm. so what he was saying when he was saying you good and faithful servant, but when he was saying the good part, he commended them for letting God work through them. Does that fit? Yep. Right. And then when we look at faithful, faith, F-U-L, full, that suffix full means you're full of something, so full of faith. And that's exactly what the Greek said, says, refers to the fullness of faith. And then it said, believing the faith God imparts. We know that faith is not our own. Faith is a gift from God. But I've not seen it this way. Believing the faith that God imparts. God gave me the faith to do this. So I have the faith to do it. <laughs> I can believe to believe. I have the faith to do it. It refers to the fullness of faith. I can do what God says I can do. I can do what God says I can do. Glory to God. And so when we, and it, so whereas good meant that he was commending them for letting God work through them, this faithful part means, um, or it's he was commending them for appropriating the faith that God gave them by acting on it. Not only did they have the faith, but they acted on that faith by doing what the master had given them to do, by doing what God gives us to do. Doers of the word. Doers of the word. Amen. Amen. So when we put it together, uh, my good and faithful servant, when I put these definitions in here or what he was saying, it says um, he commended them for A, letting God work through them and B, appropriating the faith that God gave them by acting on it. You know, that's why it says faith without works is dead. And I think it's, um, I, I, I don't remember who I heard say it, either Bill Winston or Jesse Duplantis or both, but you know, you can't store up faith. Faith has to be fresh. Faith cometh by hearing, not even by having heard, but faith cometh by hearing. In the moment that we hear the word, the faith is there to do what, and hearing doesn't just mean it goes in our auditory nerves, but when we hear it, receive it, have the intention to do it. The moment that we hear it, faith is there. But now what do we do with that faith? We can't freeze it, you know, put it in the freezer and use it for later. No, faith without works is dead. We got to keep it alive by putting works to it, by appropriating that faith to do what God has given us to do. Amen. Can, can, can I, can I um, 
say something right there? Yes. Um, you, you're saying that these servants were using faith. They weren't just using their abilities. They were using faith, which means they had to be relying on God, not just their ability, right? Yes. So that means they had to go out in a place that for the human side of us, like you're out on the limb, it wasn't the safest thing. It wasn't the most, um, I mean, it had to be stuff that had to be beyond that person, yeah. which sometimes I'm feeling when I'm out there. Um, it feels a little shaky because I know all I'm relying on is God at the moment. You know, not that that's not a safe place, but the fact that I'm using faith is saying I'm doing something through God's ability that's beyond my ability to do. So it took me back to, I'm thinking when he said he gave those talents based on their ability. That's a different ability he was talking about, not just their their savvy as far as their trade and everything, but their ability and even that he has imparted to, into them to trust him. Yes. Um. Yes, let me see. Let me pull it up in another version. I think it's in the message. Hold on just one moment. Um, okay, um, so it says in the message. Um, depending on their abilities. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. I, it was one version that I read. But it was, it was yes, according to their abilities, like the word we see in here, but by abilities, wait a minute, was the potential that he saw in them. What he, what he, you know how as a parent, you know what your child is capable of, even when your child doesn't know what they're capable of? Yeah. It's like that. It's like that. The potential that's in us. I know, I know you can do it. But mom, I'm scared. No, no, you can do it. You can do it. And then how many times does that child, and I'm, I'm thinking about movies now, and even, you know, when I was in oratorical contests and dad was my coach, you know, and I'd be like, dad, I need to change it. He says, nope, you be confident in what you do. You've done everything well up to this point. You keep the, and it was hearing dad's words in my ears that gave me the confidence to go out there and give that speech the way it was. When children hear their parents' voices, speaking to them, affirming them, telling them they can do it, um, even though they don't feel like they can do it. They're tapping into those abilities and bringing those abilities forth. That's what this master was doing. Praise God. I, I looked up that scripture quick in, in mess, the message translation, verse 30. It's amazing. It says, take the thousand and give it to the one who risks risk the most and get rid of the play it safe who won't go out on a limb and throw him out into outer darkness. Yes. Yes. That's exactly right. So when we're comparing the good and faithful, let's compare it to the unprofitable servant. Here in the in the message it says the play it safe who won't go out on a limb, who won't stretch out in faith who won't trust God beyond what he, the person himself can do, right? 
in the um, in the Amplified Classic, it calls him the good for nothing. It calls him the good for nothing servant. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> the, good, the good for nothing. Now, when I looked up the word unprofitable in the Greek, I mean, it means unprofitable, useless, unworthy, and it says unneeded, describes behavior that literally lacks utility or usefulness. There is no use for this um, person at all. Unprofitable, good for nothing. He just got trashed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he just got trashed. Revelation of the day. Woo! Don't get trashed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, yes. The, who won't play it safe out on a limb maybe that's what i've been feeling when i said i'm that leaf on a limb i am shaking like but i know the person's stepping out on a limb but anyway it was the limb so anyway but yes 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 so humility requires faith requ uh, humility consists of honor humility um i would say I don't know, it's a cycle. It could yield delight or produce d delight or both. But through this parable, we see how God, I thank you for bringing that out, Deborah. God gives us talents. I asked you in the beginning, consider what your talents are. What has God given you to do? And so now I would add or emphasize that you may not have felt you could do. But God never tells us to do anything that we can't do. And he knows what we can do because he made us. He knows what he put in us. And he knows what he wants to get out of us. But let's remember, Ephesians tells us that we are his inheritance. As long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest, he sowed a seed. He sowed his best seed. He sowed Jesus for us. He's expecting a harvest. And when we yield that harvest, he says, enter into the joy of thy Lord. Come, be my partner. Yes, you have my heart. Yes, you're going to carry out my vision. Yes, you're going to step out when I tell you to step out. Yes. And it's not like he's using us like, you know, for labor or anything. But when we enter into his delight, we get to experience more of his delight in us. Why? Because we've entered into another level of intimacy, a deeper level of fellowship and relationship, even communion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, does anybody have anything they'd like to add? 
I want to say one more thing. Okay. I remember when 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 we were reading through this, I remember that fear uh, is in the list in Revelations, I think it's verse in chapter twelve. The fearful and the unbelieving were among those cast into the lake of fire. So fear in this particular account, I'm thinking, is acquainted with a type of wickedness because of faith in uh, what can hurt you that produces an unbelieving toward God. And when we are, when we buy into that, when we buy into that inadequacy and that all that fearfulness that comes with it, we're actually cooperating with the enemy and it's leading us into wicked. It's a form of wickedness that we need to avoid. False evidence appearing real. Yeah. Because of God's word. It's truth. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I'm thinking the children of Israel in the wilderness, it says they provoked God because when they heard his word, they hardened their hearts. They didn't receive what he said. They didn't believe what he said. They were scared of the giants, scared of... Um, what was before them they they just the walls are too thick and too tall and the people are too big and we can't do fear and you know hear me and and judge this and and i want your comments but you know fear is something god doesn't tolerate too well <laughs> it i mean it says that it was the in the day that you hear his voice harden not your heart as they did in the provocation they provoked god with their unbelief and there's there was fear in that and for the fear to be counted among the number who will be cast cast out and it's not like god doesn't give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity but Fear, it, it can't, it, 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 there's, no, there's no place for it in the kingdom of God. And I've, I've been seeing God as a black and white God here recently. Um, in that, let me go back to my scripture, Proverbs 35, 27. He takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children. As much as he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his children, he showed me he takes displeasure in the things that keep his children from prosperity, that hinder his children from prosperity. It's like either there's absolute pleasure or absolute displeasure. There's no middle ground. And here I'm seeing that the good and faithful servants entered into his joy and the um, useless or unprofitable servant was cast into outer darkness. It wasn't... There was no purgatory. <laughs> there was no middle ground. There was no, it was into my joy and outer darkness. And I'm not saying that to point God as a, as a harsh God. I, I don't think he's harsh at all. But for me, you know, since I'm misalignment, it helps to make my choices so much clearer. 
this one or this one. Amen. So there's that. I know there's a place in the Bible where it says, if you aren't for me, you're against me. Hmm. That's true. I mean, that's pretty black and white. Yeah, that's pretty black and white. Yes, it is. Amen. <laughs> All right, Deborah, sorry. Yeah, Hebrews 10.38 says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Mm -hmm. No pleasure, none. Lord have mercy. Ooh, you know, it brings back this song. I'm not saying it's scripturally correct, but the song says, get right, church, and let's go home. Come on, y'all. It's like this holy book. I mean, when you put it like that, right? So praise God. Thank you, Lord, so much for this wonderful lesson on humility. We receive it with thanksgiving. And Father, I thank you for those who have attended these sessions. And I just speak that everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, that they walk in humility, that they say, I am who God says I am. I have what God says I have. I can do what God says I can do. I put them, I put you in remembrance right now. Everyone under the sound of my voice, I put you in remembrance right now that God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He has not given you the spirit of timidity. Oh no, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So I speak to you right now that you are not one who is fearful. You are not one who is unbelieving. You are not one who shrinks back from what God has spoken unto you. No, rather you, 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 you walk in the paths that God has directed you in. You realize that potential that he has placed on the inside of you. And you bring back a prophet to him in the name of Jesus. You bring back harvest to him of the seed that he has sown inside of you, such that he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will make you ruler over much. Come enter into the joy of thy Lord. Yes, this is what he speaks to you in the name of Jesus. So I declare you are good servants. You are faithful servants. You appropriate the faith that God has given you and you allow him to work through you and allow his will to be done here in the earth through you in Jesus name. You are for him. You are not against him. Glory to God. You press into him. You do not shrink back from him. In the name of Jesus, you trust him. You do not, you are not afraid of him and you are not afraid of what he has given you to do. No fear in Jesus name. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that it is you. It is you who has empowered us. It is you who has equipped us. And so now I speak to the body of Christ. I speak to those under the sound of my voice. I speak to partners of God's love song ministries. And I say, be strong and of a good courage. Only be thou strong and of a good courage in Jesus name. 
Amen.